So welcome to part one of our Cornerstone Christmas special. I'm so glad you've joined us today online. This is an exciting time for us here at Christmas and I just want to welcome you. And so if you're watching on Facebook or on YouTube, I encourage you to, to, to check out our, our website at live.mycornerstone.org. There you'll find uh, a, a, a place where you can connect and, and chat with each other. It's really, uh, you'll see some, some neat features that you don't have on Facebook and YouTube. Uh, Today, buckle in, get ready. We're going to have a, a, a great time of worship. We're going to have a great message from God's Word. And we want this to be an encouragement to you here at Christmas. I've got a few announcements just to share before we get started. First is this time of year is when we can celebrate and do something for our community. We take up a, an annual uh, Christmas offering here at Cornerstone. And our Christmas offering is a chance for us to give back. Uh, God has given us the best present ever in Jesus Christ, His Son. And, and one of the ways we can honor Him is just to give back to our community. So this Christmas, uh, we're collecting an offering for three different ministries. One is for Nicaragua, for Because We Care Ministries. Uh, your money uh, that, that we give to Nicaragua will be used for medical care, for providing food and clothing to those in need. Uh, this is a great ministry that we've worked with for over a decade. So I want to encourage you uh, to, to, to take part in this offering just to, to help them. Another way we'll be using the offering is here in our own community uh, to benefit the, the Hope House shelter. And it's a local homeless shelter that does a great job at working with those uh, who need transitional housing. And, and finally, we will want to also provide car seats for foster care families. Uh, that may uh, seem like an unusual request, but we have so many people, uh, so many families taking in foster children that they need car seats and so this is a way that we as a church can just jump right in and we can provide car seats to those in need. Um, so that's one of the ways you can give. You can give online. You'll see a give link below um, and you can just click that and when you go to that giving page be sure to select a Christmas offering for that. Uh, this, uh, this year has been crazy. Uh, 2020 has posed a numerous challenges for us. But here's what I want you to know, that we are still the church because the church is not defined by a building. So this Christmas, whether you're celebrating with family, whether you're celebrating by watching today as you join in, no matter where you're at, I want you to know that you're the church. So will you uh, just join in and worship with us today as we celebrate the birth of our risen Savior?
So I hope you enjoyed that time of worship. Um, over 2,000 years ago, um, we were able to, to experience God coming near, God in human form coming to earth with us. And over the last few weeks at Cornerstone, we've been learning about the Christmas story, uh, that God is truly with us, Emmanuel. Uh, that, that's the meaning of the word, that God is with us. And I'm so thankful for that, and I hope you are as well. Uh, as Isaiah prophesied over 700 years before the birth of Jesus, that a virgin would, be, would bear a son, and his name will be Emmanuel. That prophecy was fulfilled the night that Jesus was born. Uh, so in Bethlehem, 2,000 years ago, we were introduced to a God who loves us and a God that cares about us. But yet when Jesus was born, it was a scandal. We talked about that last week. It was a small town scandal, an unwed mother and a, 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 a couple who were stricken in poverty, really, um, in, in a small town in the middle of nowhere. And, and now we see uh, the birth of our Savior. It really was scandalous that first Christmas night. Uh, and today we find ourselves here at a barn reminding us of the, of the very humble beginnings, reminding us that the God of the universe chose ordinary people in ordinary places to do something extraordinary. In the Christmas story, we are introduced to a God that cares about the hurting. Uh, let me ask you a question as we start today. What makes Christmas difficult for you? I know there's lots that we can celebrate at Christmas. But what do you do to cope with the difficulty? Because it's not always easy. In fact, this year has been a year of challenges. Uh, COVID has changed everything. Back in March, everyone was worried, but we were willing to tackle this problem head on together. I was amazed at how our church came together to, to feed the hungry, to, to serve one another, to help each other. But as this progressed from one month to two months to three months to nine months, what I sense is a little bit of weariness. What I sense is some, uh, just some tiredness, just because when is this ever going to end? And here we are at Christmas filming online. Who would have thought at the beginning of 2020 that our two biggest dates of the year for the church, both Easter and Christmas, would both be online? I, I would have never have guessed that, but here's what I know. Uh, man, God has been faithful. God has been faithful. As a church, I want to encourage us to keep praying for the sick. I want to encourage us to keep meeting needs, to keep dealing with people who are struggling, to keep giving a hand up, to, to help people who are struggling and hurting and, and anxious and depressed. That's really, as a church, when we do that and we share the hope that we have in Jesus, that's the key, right? That's when we see that God cares about those who are hurting. There's an interesting story in the New Testament that gives us a glimpse into the character of God. And we'll find it in John chapter 5. And, and I'll read verses 1 through 9 for you today. It says, A Jewish festival took place, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. By the sheep gate in Jerusalem, there is a pool called Bethsaida in Aramaic, which has five colonnades. Within these lay a large number of the disabled, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One man who was there had been disabled for 38 years. 38 years! 
We, we think nine months is a long time. Think about 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and realized he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to get well? What a question. Do you want to get well? Sir, the disabled man answered, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, but while I'm coming, someone goes down ahead of me. Get up, Jesus told him, pick up your mat and walk. Instantly, the man got well, picked up his mat and started to walk. What an interesting question. Do you want to be well? And that, that's a question I want to ask you today. Do you want to be well? Here at Christmas, there's much to celebrate, but at the same time, there's much to reflect on and be discouraged by. But my question is, do you want to be well? This man had been disabled for 38 years. It's almost like it was, it was a question that people that were standing around were like, seriously? He's been here all this time seeking help and you're asking him if he wants to get well? But here's what Jesus knew that we have to, to get down below the surface. We have to really look at our hearts. Do we wanna get well? Do we want to get to the place where God can use us in, a, in an incredible way? I think at, at Christmas, uh, when we study the Christmas story, we see a God who cares about us, who wants us to get well, who, who knew we were in the midst of sickness and sorrow and hurt and disappointment and darkness. And yet when Jesus came, he came so that we could be brought into the light, so that we could be reconciled to our heavenly father, so that we could have new life. So many times, I, I think we lose all hope. Uh, we find ourselves in situations where we don't see a way out, where we don't see a way through. Um, and, and I think Jesus wanted to see if this man, did he still have hope? Did he still have hope in the midst of his discouragement? Um, so here's my question to you. Do you want to get well mentally, physically, and spiritually? And that's where we're going today. Christmas can be tough. In the midst of all of the celebration, we are reminded of loss, of pain, of of what we missed this year. I don't know about you, but it can be a little sad to look back and think of the stuff we didn't get to do, the stuff that we had plans for, our hopes, our dreams, our aspirations. Our kids are growing up, and if your kids play sports, you're like, well, what happened to our sports seasons and what happened to our family vacations? And, and what, ha I mean, I understand it, right? There's a lot that we can be disappointed about. Do you still have hope? Do you wanna get well? When we look at the prophecy in Isaiah, um, in Isaiah 7, 14, it tells us, for unto us a child is born, a son is given, right? And the government will be upon his shoulders. And we, we know this in, in, in Isaiah 9, 6, and it says, in his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. I love that verse because in it, we get a glimpse of our heavenly father. We get a glimpse of the character and the nature of God. And, and so this is an incredible verse. I don't want to skip over it. In fact, we want to dig deep into this verse over these next four days. God's people, let's go back to the situation they were in and at the time of Isaiah. God's people were struggling. Uh, they were under a siege from the Assyrian army. They were worried about being captured. Uh, they were losing hope. They were discouraged. They were frustrated. And it's in the midst of that that God gave them hope 
through this prophecy, through the, the promise of a future, a future ruler, a future Messiah, a future Savior. And, and so uh, when we look at this verse, uh, we, we see how God is going to, to deliver them. And Isaiah 7, 14, if we back up, we know there's a prophecy about how the virgin will bear a son and his name will be uh, Emmanuel, God with us. And, and that's, we see this prophecy building upon that. We see this picture, this shape of Jesus who is to come. And so today I want to look at this. I want to look at this wonderful counselor, this mighty God, this everlasting father, this prince of peace. And I want to drill down on what it means that he is our wonderful counselor. What does this mean for us today? Well, God was showing the people of Israel that he would deliver them from the invading army. But what they needed most, they needed the presence of God. They needed peace. They needed hope. And he's giving them this prophecy to point them to one who can solve every problem that they have, that can fix every need that they're facing. This is the ultimate salvation they needed, not just deliverance from the army, but they needed connection with God. They needed to know that God was still there. Uh, last week, we actually learned how our, uh, or actually two weeks ago, we learned that our biggest problem is our separation from God. That, that's our biggest problem. We're separated from God because of our sin. And because of that, we need a savior. The good news is that God sent Jesus to turn darkness into light. Um, he, he's the God that is a wonderful counselor that can turn any problem in, into good. He, he can work in our lives and through our problems and he cares about us. Uh, so what does that name mean, wonderful counselor? L let's look at that, wonderful. It, it simply means it's beyond understanding, that there are no words to describe it. Our God is wonderful. There, there's no words to describe how good God is. He is wonderful beyond comprehension. And then he is a counselor. And that word counselor means one who instructs, one who guides with authority. It's one who shows us the way out of our problems. I don't know about you, but I need help sometimes because I can get myself into some pretty big problems. And what this prophecy tells us is that Jesus came, right, for people who had problems. He didn't come for the healthy he came for those who were struggling, those who were sick, those who were uh, who in need of counseling. All right. We, sometimes there's this negative connotation with counselors. Counselors just point. They show us the way out of the problems. Often they help us realize that we already had the solution and we didn't realize it. Our solution is we need Jesus. Our solution is that God cares about us. Our solution is that God has prepared a way in advance out of every temptation, out of every struggle. He's given us a way through it. And, and so when we think about this, man, it just makes us thankful for who God is. In fact, in Luke chapter four, um, when Jesus started his ministry, this is what he said. Uh, he's, he, he stood up, right? He, he, the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. And unrolling the scroll, he found the place where it was written, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. It's another prophecy from Isaiah 61. 
And so what's great about that, what's incredible about that is when we look at this, we see Jesus starting his ministry and he said, this is why I come, because people have problems. People have problems. They need, they, they need salvation. They need freedom. They need hope. They need mercy. They need grace. They need love. And Jesus did all of that. Why? Because he is a wonderful counselor. Think about this. Jesus came for people who needed to get well. I'm encouraged by that. I really am because I think sometimes we think everyone has to be perfect. Instead, we need to realize that Jesus came for each and every one of us. Why? Because we're broken. We're broken. We, we need help. We need salvation. Um, think about this. Every miracle of Jesus started with a problem. He interacted. He loved on people who were broken. All of Jesus's miracles, they were meant to fix problems. That's why he did them. There was a problem. He saw it. He did something about it. And why? Because he, out of love, out of compassion, out of grace, out of mercy, he didn't have to, but he, did, he wanted to. He wanted to show us that. So let me just ask you this a little bit. When you think about the hundreds of people he fed and how he cured incurable diseases and how he silenced the storms and how he just reached out and met so many needs, what problems in your life seem so big to be fixed that they can't be fixed? And let me ask you, how have you prayed about those problems? The good news is that if you have a problem, you're in need of a miracle. And I know that God can deliver. I know that God can deliver. Uh, you know, here's, here's a point I want you to realize. Counselors can only help us if we are willing to listen and to trust. Now, counselors can give us the best advice possible, but if we think we have all the answers, if we don't listen, then they're not able to help. Counselors can only help if we are willing to listen and trust. Jesus is this wonderful counselor. He's full of wisdom. In fact, the Holy Spirit, uh, when, he, when Jesus ascended into heaven, he left us with the Holy Spirit, the great physician, the great comforter, the one who can help us in our time of need. It even says he will never leave us or forsake us. I think it's easy sometimes to think of a counselor, someone who simply listens to us and sympathizes with our problems. Oh, man, it's tough. I'm sorry to hear that. I hate that for you. But here's the thing. Jesus is much more than that. Jesus not only hears and sympathizes with you, he is here to rescue you. He is here to deliver you from your problems. And so think about that. Would that change your prayer, your prayer life if you realize that Jesus is waiting to rescue you, that he can guide you? that God is not frustrated with you. He is not bothered when you ask for help. Instead, he understands what you are going through and he wants to help you. Anytime you, are in need, anytime you need him, he's ready to give you mercy and grace. And, and so let me just ask you this really important question today. Are, are you willing to be honest with God about your problems? What are your secret fears, your, your failures that you're holding on to and, and you're struggling with? The, the safest place to be exposed is in the presence of Jesus. What do I mean by that? When we bring out those failures, when we bring out those things we're struggling with, Jesus is there to meet every need. Think about the woman at the well. Think about the man born blind. Think about Peter after his failure denying Jesus. What we see each and every time is, is Jesus uh, wanting to know, 
Do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? Because that's why he came. And so when Jesus was born, he became one of us. He went through everything we have and even more, and yet he didn't sin. It's because he became one of us that he can understand us. It's because he became one of us that he can be that wonderful counselor that has the answer to every problem we face in life. Hebrews chapter 4 says this, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who has been tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So are you ready to trust him today? Do you want to get well? Are you ready to do whatever he says? Do you trust him enough to listen to him? First uh, Peter 5 tells us to humble ourselves, therefore under the mighty hand of God, so that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your cares on him because he cares about you. First John 5 tells us this, this is the confidence we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, that he hears us. So are you ready? Are you ready to, to do what Jesus says? He's our God. He's our wonderful counselor. He will lead us to his word that will help guide us into the answers we need. So what would it look like for you to trust today? What would it look like for you to, to really lean on that wonderful counselor who is there for you? Jesus, he wants you, to, he, he wants you to come to him with your problems, with your joys, with your questions, with your hopes, with your doubts. He's both will, willing to help you and he's able to help you. But we have to be honest. We can't hide. And we've got to be willing to change. We've got to be able to, to listen to his advice and then do something about it. In fact, it's really, it's not advice at all. It's really his commands to us. He's the God that created us. We've got to trust him. And so in 1 John 1, 9, it tells us if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Finally, do you want to get well? Uh, that's, that's, many of us, we want to be healed. We want to get out of our problems, but we may not want to change the way we're living. This verse tells us the first step is to confess, to confess, to repent, to turn from our sin, to turn back to God. The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so what I want you to know is that God cares about your problems. He's ready to help us in our time of need, but he is more concerned that we take care of the root of every problem, our separation from him. He wants us to do something about that. He wants us to commit our life to him today. If today, if you want to take the next step, um, would you click that button below that says, yes, I, I, I want to commit my life to Jesus today. Would you let us know? We would love to follow up with you and share with you what it means to follow Jesus. It starts with that confession, that, that we confess our sins, we confess our need for God, and then we start walking with Him. We start learning what it means to follow Jesus day by day, hour by hour. I'm excited about Christmas because we can worship. We can worship the King of the universe that has come to be one of us. 
um, here today at the conclusion of this, you're going to see some family activities that you can do. And I know that Christmas can be a difficult season. So I, I want you to, to think about with your family how you can show some extra love this Christmas season. What could you and your family do to love those around you who may be hurting, who may be uh, in need uh, of help? Uh, just think about that as a family. Think about that, how you can reach out and help. But right now, we want to enter into a time of worship where we can just praise the God who created us. Praise the God who loved us so much, He came to be one of us. The first Noel The angels did say Was to certain poor shepherds In fields where On a cold winter's night that was so deep No well, no well, Born is the King of Israel They and saw a star shining in the east beyond him far. And to the earth it gave great light, and so it Born is the King of